5, or oh, while you're sitting, 1 Peter 5, verse 8 and 9, glory to God. I love coming to the house of the Lord. I simply don't know how people can just stay home. Puzzled by that. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. That's right. First Peter 5, verse 8 and 9. When you have that, let's read all together. Ready? Read. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. All right, you may be seated tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, tonight for the word we're about to receive. I speak blessing over the word, over your people. Blessed are our ears, for they hear, and our eyes, for they see, and our hearts, for they receive the word of God. We receive the word of God with meekness for it's able to save our very souls. So thank you for it tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. All right. It says there in, in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Today, I want to tonight. I want to use it for a subject. You're not the only one. Would you look at your neighbor and say, "You're not the only one." The same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Look at somebody else around you and tell them you're not the only one. This, this might sound rough, but get over it. <laughs> you're not the only one. All right? Thank you, Lord. Now, we begin Sunday talking about this protection of our joy, protecting your joy. And I talked to you about how Satan is very busy right now, and he's working not only to separate people from each other, separating groups from each other. You know, we have, you know, the whole COVID-19 uh, pandemic, and so he's separating six feet, you know, and then masks, and then you can't visit people. Someone, you have, might have family in the hospital, you can't even go see them. They're in the nursing home, you can't even go see them. And some of your family who, they're not in the hospital, they still won't let you come see them because... They're, they're, they're nervous. And, and so there's a separation that the devil is creating amongst people. And then you have separation among groups right now with the civil uh, or the social injustice issues that, are, uh, that are, our country is dealing with right now. And so people are being separated by all sorts of means. But as I said to you Sunday, that the major separation that's happening is not between, not person to person or group to group. But it's Satan trying to separate us from our joy. And that's big. 
Because your joy is necessary to your faith. It's no question that, I hope you all understand, many people don't, that the worldwide church is under attack. Worldwide. Not just in America. We were watching uh, one of our uh, favorite ministers listen to Pastor Chris over in Nigeria, and they're still on lockdown. Still with, with, you know, we're talking about less than 100 deaths in a whole nation. And they're still on a lockdown. They're, they're trying to squeeze out those Christian mega churches that are over there. That are, these aren't mega like United States mega churches that are just fluff. These are, these are mega churches that are Holy Ghost filled powerhouses <laughs> that change nations. And um, so the church is under attack. And to some degree, America is under attack. But most personally, your joy is under attack. Hope you understand that. Your joy right now is under attack. And if you have not been paying attention, you probably uh, are running real low on joy. I mean, thank God for a night like this, you come in and you get refreshed. Thank God for you who know how to take your personal time. You who know how to get into God's presence daily. But most of the people who you know in the church don't know how to do what you do. They don't know how to get in God's presence. In fact, many of them don't even long for God's. They don't have a desire for God's presence. They're, they're between Sundays. They're... they're they're uh, moving away from things of God. They rarely think about the things of God until Sunday morning comes around again. And what little joy they may have had is gone. Hallelujah. Now, I gave you the scripture on Sunday. John 10, verse 10 is a scripture everybody knows very well. Many people know it. It says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill. Come on. And destroy. Jesus says, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. In fact, in the Amplify, it'll say, I came that you might have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy life. Or get joy out of life. I come that you might have and get joy out of life. And have it in abundance of the full till it overflows. But he, he first talks about what the thief does. The thief comes to steal, and I told you Sunday he comes. If he can steal your joy, he'll kill your faith and destroy your life. Because remember now, the just, four times the Bible says, live by faith. So the way to destroy your life is to, is to kill off your faith. And the way to kill off your faith is to steal your joy. And so I'll show you tonight a couple of areas, if you have time, where he tries to, to rob you of your joy. Okay? All right. So if he can steal your joy, he'll kill your faith, and he'll destroy your life. Now, that same thing applies beyond just you personally, but he can do it in your family. He can, he can zap joy out of a household. Y'all ever seen it happen? He can zap joy out of a church. He can zap joy out of a city. Come on. There's a city of Gadarenes. 
You read about it in Mark 5. They over there, the people in that city had no joy. They had, they had no peace. There was a maniac there. But Jesus showed up, dealt with that demon, got him out of there. And the people didn't have enough sense to keep Jesus. They, they, they sent Jesus packing. <laughs> Yet you look over in, in the book of Acts chapter 8 when Deacon Philip goes down to the city of Samaria. And he, the Bible says he performed many miracles and signs and wonders. And the people, they gave heed to the things that he, that he said after seeing the miracles which he did. And when he preached in that city, people got saved in that city. And the Bible says in Acts 8, and there was great joy in that city. In other words, that joy wasn't there before. But joy came to that city. So, so joy can be removed from a person, from a family, from a church from a city, from a nation, joy can be removed. Satan knows if he can get your joy out, he can get your faith out. And if he gets your faith out, he takes you out. Because the just live by faith. 1 John 5 verse 4 and 5 talks about this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So you can't overcome the world. You can't beat the system. You can't win in life. You can't be victorious in life at all without your faith. And your faith requires joy. I don't care how beautiful of a Maserati you have. I don't care how beautiful of a Ferrari you have. I don't care how beautiful of a Bentley or a Rolls Royce you have. If you don't put fuel in it good fuel in it it's going nowhere you can buy the most high performance vehicle a Ferrari Testarossa it's a, it's a high performance it's built for speed and performance <laughs> my wife a few weeks ago uh, we, had, we had a little car accident somebody bumped us, bumped my wife into the car um, little thing on the back bump or whatever, so we had to put the car in the shop, you know, so their, their insurance paid for it, all that kind of good stuff, got us a rental car and all that kind of good stuff, and my wife rented a, a BMW. Sweet. Sweet. And uh, so it was, it was a small car, so, so when I rode with her, I, I let her drive the whole time. I don't want to drive this. I, don't, I can't drive this little old car. And I let her drive. But driving is like driving around a NASCAR track because you already, my wife's already a fast driver. And so in 1 John 5 verse 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. <laughs> I just got the eye, I better move on. <clears throat> now some of y'all drive like that too. Some of y'all just, yeah. oh y'all waving proud of it. I'm fast and I'm proud. NASCAR. But anyway, that, that little that car is zipping around and it's, it's built for, for performance. Matter of fact, we called Deacon Gershon. We said, Deacon Gershon, we understand. He said, bro, we understand now. That car is built for performance. But if you don't put any fuel on that thing, it's not going anywhere. Your faith is built for performance. Oh, you missed what I said. Your faith is built for performance. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Isn't that what your Bible says? That's over in, I believe, it's, uh, Mark 9, 23. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Right? 
So the issue is, along with your faith, you got to have some joy that goes in there. All right? Okay. So joy is necessary. So what the devil's doing is he's getting people focused off of the things of God, off the word, off the work of the ministry, off of worship. Come on, just check out, just, just think about what's going on in our world. These last three, four, five months have been a humdinger. I, I'll tell my wife, thank God, today's July 1st. It's the second half now, praise God. All right, second half. It's comeback time now, praise the Lord. All right? Second half of the year. Now it's time to go out there and kick the devil butt. Right? Okay. <laughs> but what he's done is he's got people, their focus off the word of God, off the work of the ministry, off of worship, and onto all the world's problems. Distractions. That's exactly what it is. And when those distractions come in, then they are, they are meant to deplete you of your joy. They're meant to rob you of your joy. Y'all hear me? Now, when joy dries up, listen to this. When joy dries up, your faith gives out. And without faith, you can have no manifestation in your life. Okay? Now, I'm going to ask media to get Joel chapter 1 for me, but they're going to get into King James Version. Joel chapter 1, so you can listen along unless you have the King James Bible. I'm going to read from verses 9 through 16. Okay? And I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this and understand the place or the power of joy in this passage here. Y'all ready? <clears throat> it says, the meat offering and the drink offering is cut off from the house of the Lord. It sounds like right now, doesn't it? Nobody meeting the half service. Everybody shut down. They've been cut off. The priests, the Lord's ministers, mourn. Mourn. I'm seeing them. They're, they're looking sad. They're looking, they're afraid and sad. It's exactly right. You watch enough of them on, on, t on, on YouTube and all that stuff. They're trying to create content, but it's sad. This says the field is wasted. The field is wasted. That's where you produce everything. The land mourns, for the corn is wasted. The new wine is dried up. The oil languishes. That's no harvesting coming in. Remember, we've been taught about the corn, the wine, and the oil, yes. right? Short-term, mid-term, and long-term harvest, right? Yes, Be ye ashamed, O ye husbandmen, howl, O ye vine dressers, for the wheat and for the barley, because the harvest of the field is perished. Now, think about harvest. Not, not just that, go back, go back to that verse. Don't think about just money, but think about the soul's harvest. In other words, you think right now, I, I, this is what I was like, Lord, this seems like right now will be the time people will be flooding the church. But the problem is the church fled the church, so now the sinners can't flood the church. So what happens is the, the harvest out in the field starts perishing. So there's harvest that the church is missing right now in the most prime hour in our time. Are y'all hearing me? So the harvest is perishing. All right, next verse, please. The vine is dried up and the fig tree languisheth. Okay, the pomegranate tree. Now, when y'all see these phrases, dried up, languishes, some of my stuff dying up, withering. Okay, the pomegranate, the palm tree also, and the apple tree, even all the trees of the field are, keep going, withered. Why? 
because joy is withered away from the sons of men. So everything is withering away because joy is withered away, is gone. So when there's no joy, there can be no manifestation. Or because there's no joy, the manifestation that was out there dies out in the field. It withers away. Because joy is withered away from the sons of men. Okay? Now then it says, gird yourselves and lament ye, you priests. Howl, ye ministers of the, of the altar. Come. Come back to church. Now, he, didn't, he didn't call the people yet. He didn't call the people yet. He called them the priests. If nobody's going to come, the priests ought to at least come. Come loud night in sackcloth, ye ministers of my God, for the meat, come on, keep going, for the meat offering and the drink offering is withholding from the house of your God. Keep going, please. Sanctify ye a fast. I don't do that. No, they're enjoying themselves at home. Sanctify ye a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God, into the house of the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord. Next verse, oh, keep going, please. Alas, for the, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. Last verse. Is not the meat cut off from before our eyes? Yea, joy and gladness from the house of our God. So he's saying the reason why there's no production in the field, the reason why there's no major harvest in the field, whether you're talking about finances or souls, is because joy is missing. Joy is missing. Now, I want you to understand you're very rare. You understand you are very rare because you have your joy. You have your joy, right? You are very rare because you, you've been coming. You've been getting juiced up. You've been spending time with God each day getting juiced up, right? So you have your Jesus juice. Your joy is strong. But most in the body of Christ, many in the body of Christ, I don't want to, I can't quantify most, but it's just from what, I, what it appears. Most seem to have lost their joy and gladness. It's missing from the house of our God. So then you're getting no production, no mass production. You hear me? I talked about that last year, mass production. You remember that? We're coming into a time that's supposed to be a mass production. So the devil knows to stop mass production, I've got to kill off joy. Because you don't have no joy, you're not going to be happy. I mean, think about it. If you don't have, have any joy at work, you're not productive. Am I right, right about it? If you don't have any joy at work, you're sitting there and you're better doing a thing and watching the clock. <laughs> Waiting for quitting time. Am I right about it? All right, so we've got we've to get this joy protected, okay? Now, let's go back to our main scripture here. Let's go to our main scripture because I want to show you tonight, if I have time, uh, two or three ways here, uh, things the devil does trying to get you out of your joy or get your joy out of you, okay? Again, in, verse, in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the who? Okay, walks about like a roaring lion, Seeking whom he may 
devour. That word, another word for devour is destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill. So he's looking for whom he may destroy. To destroy, he's got to kill something. That's your faith. To kill your faith, he's got to steal something. That's your joy. Got it? Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing. Y'all catch this? Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing. So there's a knowledge that you're meant to have. There's, there's, a, there's an assurance, there's an understanding that you should have that will allow you to resist him. How are you going to do it? Because I know that the same sufferings are experienced by my brotherhood in the world. Y'all got it? So all over the world, people are going through the same stuff. Uh, I didn't ask for this. This just came to me. Give me the uh, verse 9. Can you give me the CEV, please? The CEV on uh, verse 9. There's one, a translation I saw a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but you must resist the devil and stay strong in your faith. Y'all missed it. You must resist the devil and stay strong in your faith. You know that all over the world, the Lord's followers are suffering just as you are. Where? All over the world. Not just your little circle. Not just your house. All over the world, the Lord's followers are suffering just as you are. Now, you can go back to the New King James for me, please. Again, it says the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Now, there's a scripture here. You don't have to turn to it. Uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11 talks about not being ignorant of Satan's devices. Let Satan take advantage of us. If you're, if you're ignorant of Satan's devices, he'll take advantage of you. Okay? He will take advantage of you. So you got to know how he works. So I want to show you tonight a couple ways how he works. So you see him and you recognize him and you can stand fast in your faith. And you're going to do this knowing that the same sufferings, the same issues are experienced by your brother in the world. In other words, knowing that you're not the only one. So I want to show you mainly right off, right off rip here that a main objective of the enemy is to get you in whatever situation to think you're the only one. But once you discover you're not the only one, you say, oh, this isn't just a personal attack. See, so many Christians get stuck on this. I'm under personal attack right now. Uh, can I take I was about to say it. Pastor Kim, I'm, so, I'm going to say what she said. So you know this didn't come from me. But I was thinking it. You're not that important. Okay. I don't want you to get offended. I want you to understand what I'm saying. For him to launch a personal attack on you and focus all his attention on you and nobody else in the whole world, you've got you've to be a person who is a threat to the whole planet like Jesus was. He focused every demon he had on Jesus at one time. Now, I'm not denying the fact that you may be under attack. 
What I'm saying is don't take it personally. Because it's not just you. Y'all understand? Please don't be, def- be offended by what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not belittling what you're facing. Or belittling, yeah, yeah, babe, not how you feel either. I understand that. I want, want, to make, want you to understand that you're not the only one. And to think you're the only one is a trick of the enemy. So, so compounded by the trial is the trick. You understand? Did you catch what I just said? In other words, you're going through the trial or the trouble, but then he compounds that by the trick of making you think you're the only one. And you're not the only one. You're one of many. Okay? Now, move quickly here. One trick of the enemy is to make you feel that you are the only person in the world or church or your family that's facing a trial. Maybe you write it down or it'll, it'll be sent to you later on. One trick of the enemy is to make you feel that you're the only person in the world or the church or your family that's facing a trial. Whether it's your particular trial or any trial. In other words, he'll get you looking around everybody else and everybody's praising God and worshiping God and smiling and giggling and laughing and everything. Only they had a good time at church and they're going out to eat after church and all that kind of stuff. They look like they're doing just fine. And you're looking around like, wow, everybody's got it so great. And I'm going through all this hell and high water, all this trouble, and it's just me. I don't understand. What am I doing wrong? Why is it just me? Why me? Why me? Why me? Why me? Why me? I'm the only one going through this. And here you are. Here you are going through that. And you're thinking you're the only only person in your church, you're the only person in your family, you're the only person in the whole world going through what you're going through. Now listen to me. There's, there's a goal. Remember this, this, is, this is your adversary. And your adversary has a goal in mind. His goal is to get you loaded with bitterness, strife, anxiety, and depression. His goal when he's bringing this trick on you is to get you loaded down with bitterness. Bitterness? What do you mean bitterness, Pastor? Well, that's the feeling you start to get when you're wondering, well, how come I, how come I ain't found my husband yet? How come I haven't found my wife yet? And you look at somebody else and they looking all, look at them, <laughs> happily married. And you may, you may on the outside rejoice with them that rejoice on the outside, but on the inside, if you're not careful, there's a root of bitterness in there, especially if it's taking longer than you planned. I figured by the time I was going to be 25, by the time I was 25, I figured, this is, I'm, I'm reading y'all mail, by the time I was 25, 
I had it on my, my life plan. By the time I hit 32, I was going to. Married, two kids, a house, two cars, my degree. I know, I know you ain't the only one. People, people act like they ain't said it, but I'm, I'm reading your mail. And so what happens if you're not, a, not careful, a root of bitterness gets in there. And when you have a root of bitterness, joy cannot operate in that kind of environment. Anxiety gets in there, and the Bible says anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. So you get bitterness, anxiety. Oh, what's the anxiety about? Well, when is it going to be my time? What about me, Lord? What about me? What about me? When is it going to be my time? What about my time? And then all of a sudden, you, instead of you praying for other people, you praying all your prayer lives. Lord, when is it going to be my time? When is it going to be my time? When is it going to be my time? What about me? 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 You're being anxious. The Bible tells you be anxious for nothing. Well, Lord, when, when I, I, I want to ring that bell. 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 Pauline run that bell. Elder Jeff run that bell. When am I ring that bell? When am I ring that bell? Y'all ain't saying much to me, but I'm just. I'm bowling right down your lane. I look up and I got more bills. I look up my credit report and it's, I didn't even know I had those debts. And look, where'd that come from? Anxiety and depression. But joy cannot function in that kind of environment. And if you were to do a real survey of everybody else in this church, you are not the only one who got a debt you didn't know you had. You are not the only one who been believing God and you don't made your profile on Tinder and your profile on black people love cats and your profile on all these, come on now, you put your profile all out there and you Facebook hunting and everything, you're looking for a husband, looking for, you don't, you're not the only one who putting your little number out there and putting your feelers, you, you're not the only, you're gonna find out you're not the only one who's waiting on something from God and feel like it's getting worse, it's getting harder, it's getting tougher. Plentyoffish.com. Well, I don't know. Black people meeting. Church people who love Jesus.com and all that kind of stuff. I'm going on a Christian mingle site. I don't do this right. Do this the right way. Turn to 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians 1. 2 Corinthians 1. Hallelujah. Hashtag relationship goals. You're not the only one. It's a trending hashtag for a reason. It's a trending hashtag for a reason. Because you're not the only one. I ain't going to that function because I'm, I'm going to be the only one that's not booed up. I'm going to be the only one not booed up. You're not going to be the only one not booed up. A lot of people, people not, that's not going to be booed up. 
Y'all, I'm sorry, y'all understand what I mean when I say booed up? Boot, boot up means you, you have somebody with you. You have a companion, boot up. I'm sorry. I forgot I got to deal with people. All generations, all right. Boot up. Tell your neighbor you're not the only one. Tell, tell them this, say you're not the only one going through something. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Bless be the Lord, I'm sorry, bless be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all what? Comfort. Who comforts us in all our tribulations, tribulations troubles and tests and trials, right? Yes. Right? Yes. That we may be able, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So you might be going through right now, but as God comforts you, you're going to be able to comfort somebody else who's going to go through something else. You got it? For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Verse 6, now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also endure. Talking about you going through the same thing we're going through. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. All right? So you're not the only one going through this. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren. Watch verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble. Hello? This is the pastor talking. This is the pastor talking. We don't want you to be ignorant about our trouble. Y'all missing that. <laughs> pastor didn't even call me when I was going through. When the last time you called pastor to see, pastor, what you going through? You stop by and say, Pastor, everything, everything good for you? Everything good? I'm checking on you. This is Paul, the apostle, saying, we don't want you to be ignorant, brother, of our trouble. You think you don't want to have trouble? We having trouble, too. Somebody shout to your neighbor, you're not the only one. He said of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure. Keep going, please. Above strength, so that we despaired even of life. That's how much trouble we were in. We were desperately clinging to life. You ain't been through that. Yes, we had the sinners of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God. Watch this. Who raises the dead? Now, remember he's talking about we're going to comfort you with the same comfort we receive. He said, who delivered us from so great a death, who delivered us, past tense, from so great a death and does deliver us, present tense, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us, future tense. So he delivered, he delivers, and he will deliver. So if you're going through a little something, something right now, can I give you some good news? Just like he delivered me, he will deliver you. 
And he'll continue to deliver you over and over and over and over again. God is a deliverer. He wouldn't be a deliverer if people didn't need delivering. And he's not deliverer just for you. Thank you, Lord. It is about you, but it's not just about you. <laughs> you understand? Verse 11. Verse 11. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. You got to ha- have this. You got to have this. If you're going through something right now, you got to know this right here. You also helping together in prayer for us. So how do I get off of my just my own little personal pity party? I go pray for somebody else. Y'all ain't saying much to me tonight. I get off my own little pity party. This is how I keep anxiety and depression and bitterness out of me. Is I spend time helping other people through praying for them. And get that focus off me and don't let the devil keep trying to convince me that I'm the only one going through. Because if the only thing you're, praying, you're doing is praying for you, then you start thinking it's just you. But if you start praying for other people and you get a list of people you start praying for, you begin to realize, wow, it ain't just me. And you, you start learning, wow, they, they problem's worse than mine. Lord, I thank you because... <laughs> All I was dealing with was a toothache or a headache, but I, I thank you, Lord. I praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Y'all got this here? So we got to help each other together in prayer. Give me Philippians chapter 1, verse 24 through 30. Philippians chapter 1. Hallelujah. I'm moving quicker through these. I'm, I'm trying to finish this tonight. Philippians chapter 1. Verse, uh, <clears throat> let me get to it, please. 24 through 30. I got a brand new Bible. I'm trying to learn it. Thank you, honey. Philippians 1, 24 through 30. You have it? Yes. Nevertheless, this is Paul, to remain in the flesh. Remember I told you he said that Sunday, you know, I could go, I could stay. Should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go? And he said, I'm just going to stay with you, all right? He says, nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and what? That your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Then the next section, the title of this next section is striving and suffering for Christ. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving, striving, striving together. Striving implies there's resistance. But it says you resist this thing together, which means you all understand, it's not just me. I'm I'm going to get with you. Because, hey, I'm going to pray for you, you're going to pray for me. I'm going to pray for you, you're going to pray for me. We're going to get through this together here, right? Striving together for the faith of the gospel. And not in any way terrified by your... Not in any way. Which is to them a proof of perdition. But to you of salvation and that from God. Verse 29. Y'all not ready for this probably, but I'm going to try it. 
For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Lord, I, I need a grant. I grant you the ability to believe on me and suffer for my sake. Did y'all catch that? You've been granted the ability to go back to that verse, please. Glory to God. It has been granted on behalf of Christ. You already got you a grant right here. To believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. So people picking on you because of you going to church, it's not just you. People picking on you for believing, for you being one of those holy rollers, it's not just you. Picking on you for having a stance of holiness and godliness and righteousness. It's not just you being picked on. You're not the only one. It's, we've all been granted. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can suffer for your sake. Now, that's, you got to have that. You remember Peter and John? When Peter and John in Acts, I believe it's Acts around Acts 3 and 4, when they were beaten and abused, uh, flogged for preaching the gospel, they got excited about it. Excited that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. Went right back and kept on preaching. Thank you, Lord, we're counted worthy to suffer for your sake. They had joy going through. They didn't cry going through. You're not the only one going through what you're, what you're going through. You're just the only crybaby in the house. I'm just, I'm messing with you. No, they, they said they were going to count it worthy. We're just, we're just, the Bible says count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Right? All right, now, so the devil, he wants to try to convince you that nobody understands what you're going through. No one understands what you're going through. That's his, that's his trick. It's a trick. Not only do people understand what you're going through, but they've been through it too. Tell your neighbor you're not the only one. You're not the only one waiting on a spouse. You're not the only one stuck in debt. You're not the only one having marriage problems. <clears throat> you're not the only one having marriage problems. I say you're not the only one having marriage problems. I ain't having no problem. Okay, good. Keep it that way. But you remember when? You remember when? So what you do is pray for somebody when you notice that they don't, they don't look a little, you know, they don't look all peachy like they normally do. You pray for them. Don't go tipping in their business. I'm just trying to see what you I wonder, I wonder what it is. No, you pray for them. You make intercession for them because you, you know how it feels. You're not the only one having issues with your children. <laughs> You're not the only one whose children cut up. Some people's children cut up, they, they just hide it better. They just ship them off to Georgia. How many of y'all know about that growing up? Children good up. Good. Just get off and get on drugs. <laughs> All right, let me give you another trick. 
Okay, so number two here, another trick of the enemy is to convince you that you're the only one who has sinned or let God down. This, this, these are big ones. Y'all, some of y'all may be like, I don't know anything about that. Maybe, maybe not you. I'm talking about how he steals people's joy. He'll try to convince you that you're the only one who has sinned or let God down. So some of y'all say, well, I ain't sinned, but have you let God down? Has there ever been a time you've let God down and you know it? In other words, in other words you just, I, 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 something I was supposed to do and I didn't do it. I was supposed to bless somebody. I was supposed to go see, I was supposed to call somebody and I felt it on my heart. Or, or, okay, I'm going to mess with some of y'all, some of y'all prayer school students. Uh, I missed my prayer time. <laughs> they see, look, they, they won't even look at you, Barbie. They won't, look, they won't even look at you. Remember that fervent prayer I heard her talking about, teaching that fervent prayer? Mm-hmm. And you intending to pray? Come on, ask me how I know. And you just end up resting in his presence? Obviously, you're not the only one. Look around, look around. But the devil will try to convince you that you're the only one who missed your prayer time. You're the only one who didn't read Proverbs this month. <laughs> not the whole month. I missed the whole month, Jesus. You're the only one who didn't read a devotional. You're the only one. Or you're the only one who sinned. Or you're the only one who had a thought like that. Now, how many of y'all know I'm right about what I'm saying? And his aim on this one is to bring condemnation. Such condemnation that you lose your joy and eventually disconnect from Christian fellowship. I'll, I'll say it again. Make sure it's recorded. His aim is to bring such condemnation that you lose your joy and eventually disconnect from Christian fellowship. I've watched it happen time and time again. He wants to convince you you're the only one. So you go to church and everybody else praising God. And you think, I can't praise God like that. I know what I did or what I thought or what I didn't do. And you don't know other people have done or didn't do or thought things too. They just know how to go to God for forgiveness right away. They know how to, how to repent right away. Right away. If you think as a pastor, I've, I've, been, I've been walking with God now 30, 31 years, that in 31 years I haven't sinned, I have news for you. I'm sorry, breaking news that might disappoint you. I have. I have let God down more times than I care to even talk about. 
but what I have learned through the loving power of God's grace and the Holy Spirit getting a hold of my heart is to say, son, just confess it to me. I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And I go back to him, Father, forgive me. I admit I messed up and I get right back in line with the Lord. One, one of the reasons why I worship the Lord and praise him like I do is because I'm, I'm in awe of his forgiveness. Not because I'm, in, because I'm perfect, but I'm in awe of his forgiveness. The Bible said, Jesus Christ out of his own mouth said, he that, that is forgiven much loves much. Some people are just, you, you just never did anything. You never needed forgiveness. <laughs> so you never really loved much. You never really, but if you have, come on now. I know you ain't chopped anybody's head off, nothing like that. I'm talking about, but you've, you've it's been something. You fell short, you, you had a sharp tongue. You can kill with a tongue. The pink tornado. <laughs> they call that this gospel music. Oh my God. Give me Galatians 6, please. Galatians 6, you're in Philippians now, right? So go to Galatians 6, go back uh, two books. Galatians 6, verse 1 through 5. I just want to make sure you understand you're not the only one. Okay? Because it's one thing to, to, to get into sin or one thing to, to have an error. And that came from the enemy to draw you into that. But the, the worst part is if he can convince you you're the only one and now you feel like when you walk in church, all eyes on me. You walk in church and everybody gonna be looking at me. Cause they all know what I did. How in the world is everybody gonna know what you did? I can't walk in there because the pastor, the prophet, the apostle, they gonna, they gonna call my stuff out. They gonna know. You know God doesn't show apostles everything. He doesn't show prophets everything. You know God doesn't show prophets everything. You know. How many of y'all know Samuel was a mighty prophet of God? Samuel, when he went down to Jesse's house, God told him to go anoint a king. Samuel went down there and got the first son, tried to pour the oil on him. God said, that ain't him. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Get the next one. Try to pour the oil on him. That ain't him either. My bad. Why? He, he's still a man. He's, he's operating like that. God had to tell him which one was the one. Elisha's sitting there one day, and, and, and this woman, the woman of Shunem, uh, her, her son had passed away, and, and she, she ran to find him. And she made it up there, and Gehazi's trying to push back, like, hey, no, you can't come. And, and, and Elisha said, hold on, hold on. He said, wait, wait. He said, God hadn't revealed to me what's, what she's going through. 
So everybody doesn't know what you're going through. But the devil will convince you if you'll let him that everybody knows your business. <laughs> Only way everybody knows your business is if you skip communion. No, I'm just joking. Y'all, some, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all, if, you, if you grew up old school, you grew up old school, communion Sunday, and people come in and come by and be like, what you got into? Oh, Lord, you done something. <laughs> Galatians 6, verse 1. Oh, man. It says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, brethren. So this is people within the church. Brethren, if he's taken, overtaken in trespass, you who are spiritual, restore, restore. Restore means he was walking right. Bring him back in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also, you also, that means, yeah, it can happen to you also. So you're not the only one. Verse two, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. So you got to deal with your own stuff. You have to deal with your own stuff. However, there are times when someone else is dealing with something, they got to know a little something, they got caught up. Y'all know the word caught up. They got caught up. When it says, brethren, verse, verse 1, overtaken in a fault, overtaken in a sin, in a trespass, he got caught up. This isn't slippity slide. He's talking about church folk here. Y'all don't want to hear that. See, you know what? We got to make sure we don't have these religious mindsets that when somebody gets caught up, we throw them away. That's very dangerous if we get that throwaway mindset. Somebody can get caught up in the worst stuff and they caught up there in adultery and we just throw them away. No, he didn't say throw them away. He said you restore them. Now that's if they're willing to be restored. Now we're assuming they're done. But you restore them in a spirit of meekness. Considering yourself. Unless you also be tempted. Okay? So you're not the only one. Glory to God. 1 John 2, verse 1 and 2. Give me that on the screen. I'm not going to turn to it. 1 John 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. I don't want you to sin. And if anyone sins, is he talking to church folks still? Believers, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, okay, verse 2 as well, and he himself is the propitiation or payment covering ransom for our sins, and not for ours only. That means his, his blood didn't just cover your sins, it covers everybody's sins, because you are not by yourself, you're not the only one. Y'all got it? So I'm just telling you that because you got to get the devil up off you. Y'all ain't saying much more. You got to get the devil up off you. Okay? All right. So he'll try to convince you you're the only person in the world, in the, in the world, your church, your family facing a trial. He'll try to convince you you're the only one who sinned or let God down. And again, he's trying to get you in condemnation. Okay? 
Luke 22. Let's, let's read one more supporting scripture for this. Luke 22, verse 31 32. Jesus is talking to Simon Peter. I know Simon Peter, right? And the Lord said, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you, desire to have you, that he may sift you as we, Satan's asked for you personally. This is a personal one. Okay? Now, we could look at it personally, but we'd also say he's asked for all of them. Because he comes back in verse 32, and he says this, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. I have prayed. Jesus said, I pray for you, Peter, that your faith doesn't fail. And when you have returned to me. That means he must have failed. Jesus said, I pray for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me. Which means he knows you're gonna, your, his faith is going to fail and you're going to leave him. And he says, but when you come back to me, strengthen your brethren. Why would he need to strengthen his brethren? Because they all going to fall too if they're not careful. You understand that? So Peter didn't have exclusive rights to falling. He didn't have exclusive rights to letting Jesus down. As a matter of fact, when he, he said on the night he was being betrayed, sitting there taking the last supper, he said, tonight all y'all going to betray me. Oh, no, I'm sorry, he said, all of y'all will be scattered because of me. Judas betrayed him, but he said, all the rest of y'all, y'all are going to be scattered. Y'all going to flee because of me. Peter the one, no, no, Lord. If everybody left you, I'm not going to leave you. Peter was, Peter was the one cussing, talking about, no, I don't know him. I don't know him. <laughs> Period. <laughs> right? Well, you know, he wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost back then. He wasn't saved. Right? But they all scattered. This condemnation came on Peter, though, so strong. Or a conviction, I want to say conviction, because, because Judas dealt with condemnation. It killed him. It killed him. This conviction came on Peter to the point that when he heard that rooster crow, he wept. He knew he had let God down. And he was afraid to even go around Jesus anymore, afraid to go around the disciples. Such that when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he told Martha and Mary, he said, he said, tell my disciples and Peter. He said, tell my disciples and Peter, meet me back here in Galilee. My disciples and Peter, go find Peter. Peter stayed away from the, from the group any, any longer. You got it? He was cutting off his Christian fellowship. It's what the enemy does to people is when they get it in something, get in a little something, he gets them to cut off Christian fellowship. And if you isolate yourself from Christian fellowship, you begin to grow very cold very quickly. You have no power. When what we're supposed to do is get around people and say, I need to be restored. To the point, now y'all may not like this, where you say to people, hold me accountable. I need to be held accountable. Here's my area where I'm struggling. Y'all are Wednesday night group. Y'all don't know anything about struggling. My Sunday folk know about struggling. 
I, I'm struggling. And I, I want to be accountable to somebody. But see, the devil will convince you, no, don't do that. Disconnect. And if you're not accountable, before you know it, you're done. Got it? Okay, y'all got time for this last one? Okay. So the lastly, last of the one I want to give you, another trick of the enemy, here's, here's the flip side, to make you think you're the only one serving God. To make you think you're the only one serving God. Now that's a big one. That's a big one. That's one that I've had to battle with. I've not had to, had to battle these first two in the, you know, for a long time. I understood. I understood, number one. I know, I know I ain't the only one going through stuff. Particularly as a pastor, because people tell me their stuff, so I know I ain't the only one going through stuff. And then, number two, about sin and letting God down, I've learned by the Holy Ghost how to get over that. But number three has been a tough one for me. When you begin to think you're the only one serving God, when you look around and you start to say, well, oh, now me, me, when I'm talking about other people serving God, I'm looking on the pastoral level. Like, where is everybody? Like, what is, is people tripping up? People, I mean, all the pastors in the club now, I mean, what, what's the deal? I'm just, I'm just telling you what I, this kind of stuff I'm asking, like, what, are they all smoking and drinking and cussing and flipping and flopping and tipping and dripping and they all, is everybody doing that? Lord, are there any righteous still? Is anybody? I was, matter of fact, I was one, uh, maybe over the weekend, one, one night, I'm sitting talking to God like I remember, Miss Patricia probably remember this. We used to have something in St. Petersburg called the Holiness Brotherhood Union. You remember that? The Holiness Brotherhood Union was a, a union of all holiness churches back in St. Petersburg. Now, some of y'all, if you're a Baptist, you know anything about that because you weren't holiness. <laughs> AME, CME, you know, it was holiness. You, you were Church of God in Christ, Church of God of Prophecy, Church of, you know, you, you were, you know, New Covenant, fire you were fire baptized. We were, it was a holiness brotherhood union. It was a group of pastors who, you know, Christ's gospel was a part of. I, I, in fact, I thought about your, your granddad the other night, you know, I saw him a couple weeks ago, and thinking about, man, we need to start a holiness brotherhood union back. I want to find, is there somebody pastor still serving God? Is there anybody who I can look at and have some level of confidence that they ain't out there doing stuff that's going to bring shame on the body of Christ? Pastor, you perfect? No, I ain't perfect, but I'm striving for perfection. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So, there's a danger here in thinking you're the only one serving God. Now, let me tell you what the danger is here. Satan's goal here is to cause loneliness and eventually conformity. Remember I gave you the aims of the other two. The aim of this one, Shantae, is to get you where you start feeling lonely. Huh? Cause loneliness and eventually conformity. 
See, what happens is you walking and you saying, I'm the only one serving God. I feel like I can't find nobody. What happens is you be, he wants you to start feeling lonely. And you'll, if you're not careful, because ask me how I know. I mean, I know because you start feeling this loneliness like, man. Man, I love to be able to call up some friends and hang out and not be worried about what they're going to order at the table. Or not worried about being seen with them. Because the saying, the birds of a feather flock together, and there's some birds I don't want to be flocked together with. And y'all know what I'm talking about here? So I'm like, you know, you start to feel lonely. Am I the only one of my family serving God? Am I the only one at my job who serves God? Everybody's going to happy hour together, or they, they have the little, the little, you know, time in the teacher's lounge and they don't tell you. And there's a, a loneliness. Right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a loneliness that can come to you, and the goal of that loneliness is to get you to draw back and begin to conform. I'm just telling you with the danger now. Thank God I'm, I'm, not, I'm not yielding to that. I have no plan. I love God too much <laughs> to draw back and conform. I love God. You know, I made my mind, if it's me by myself, I'm going to serve God. But your soul, your soul, come on now, your soul deals with this loneliness. My spirit knows this is the way we walk, we do it, but your soul, your emotions sometimes deal with that. Oh, man. Because you want acceptance. That's exactly right. You want acceptance. You want to belong. You want to, you want to be part of a group. Your soul. And I'm telling you, we've learned this, that the higher you go in terms of faith and walking with God, the smaller your circle begins to get. Because everybody's not going to go that way. So, let me give you one example of that and, and we'll quit. First Kings. First Kings 19. Listen, the Bible says that in the last days many will, will fall away. Didn't the Bible say many is going to fall away? But it didn't say everybody. Just said many. Didn't say, every, didn't say all, just said many. Many people are going to give heed to seducing spirits. First Kings 19. But not all. Are you there? Yes, First Kings 19, I'm going to start at verse 13. This is uh, Elijah has, has run. Uh, Jezebel has made threats against his, against his life. So he's going to get away and maybe going to ponder the situation, what's going on here. Verse 13. So it was when Elijah heard it, he had heard God speaking through a still small voice. I mean, y'all know about that story? I don't have time to read that, but you can read it for yourself in the verses earlier. 13 says, so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing in this place? What are you doing in this mental state? What are you doing here, man of God? Why are you tripping? Verse 14, and he said, I have been very zealous 
for the Lord God of hosts. Because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left. I'm the only one left. And they seek to take my life. Why are you you on the run? They're trying to kill me. I'm the last one standing for you, Jesus. Nobody else in the whole city is going to stand for you, Jesus. This is, how, this is how he does, you know. I'm sorry. This is how he does me. Then the Lord said to him, go. Now watch God's response. God's going to straighten his foolishness out. Then the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to, to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazel, or Haziel rather, as king over Syria. And you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. So you're going to anoint the new, new governmental leaders. But then he says, Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel, Mahalah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. I'm going to have you anoint your replacement. That's tough. Have you go hire and train your replacement? <laughs> oh, you, what, what, I'm done? <laughs> Wait. Okay. Now, he's, he's going to go out in a, in a, in a, you know, in a fire. He's going to go out in a blaze now. He's going to go out real nice. He, he's going to get a beautiful escort. <laughs> he's going out in a blaze, right? But it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Now watch verse 18. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So here's Elijah thinking, I'm the only one. Nobody in Israel serve you, Lord. Nobody. I can't find anybody who serves you, Lord. And God says, son, I have 7,000. They're just as zealous as you. Just as on fire as you are. Just as excited as you are about serving me. Just as determined as you are not to serve Baal. Just because you, can, you hadn't seen them and you don't know them doesn't mean that they don't exist. So I contend with you tonight that you're probably not the only one in your job serving the Lord. There's a chance you may not be the only one in your family serving God. And we are not the only church crying out for revival. Not the only church seeking God's face. Not the only church that's seeking God's presence. We are part of the remnant, but there is a remnant. Yes, many may fall away. Yes, many may turn aside, but God will always preserve and reserve himself a remnant of people whose hearts are set on him who will not turn away from God and come no matter what the devil does. I'm not going to serve Satan. I'm not going to go after this world. I'm going to keep on serving God. God has had to encourage me, son, you're not the only one. You think y'all all the ones can have a prayer meeting? 
I got people praying down fire. People in a little house. You don't even know who they are. Because there's no name on their building. Most of the revivals that we've seen start in, in, the, in the 20th, uh, 20th century were a result of little prayer meetings going on. Azusa Street, result of a little prayer meeting going on. Pensacola Revival, a result of a little prayer meeting going on. No name, no dignitaries, no high officials, just somebody desiring God. <laughs> so you're not by yourself. God has people all over this earth praying for the things of God. But if the devil can convince you that you're the only one, loneliness will creep in and it will work on you until it can get you to draw back. And God said, I have no pleasure in those who draw back. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition. We are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Got it? So we're going to stick with it. So even if you feel like you're the only one, remind yourself, 7,000. Wow. I mean, Elijah is one person. So we just say the ratio then is 7,000 to one. So for Elijah to think he's the only one, no, I got seven. For everyone who thinks they're the only one, I got 7,000. There are more with us than there are against us. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you tonight? So you're not by yourself. So don't, don't let the devil trick you into conforming and going with the flow and, 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 and rescinding your, your, your work with God and well, I'm going to just walk back and go, you know, I ain't going to serve God no more. You, you know, don't think you're the only one going to church. Don't think you're the only one praying, the only one fasting, the only one seeking God's face. You're not the only one. Hallelujah. You're not the only one uh, maintaining celibacy. <laughs> I, I hear somebody right there. You're not the only one. But the devil will try to convince you of that. You're the only one. You're the only millennial who's trying to maintain celibacy. You're not the only one. Do you all hear what I'm saying to you? Praise God. So don't let the devil trick you out of everything God has for you and everything he wants you to do. Because ultimately what he wants to do with all three of these things is steal your joy. All these things are meant to steal your joy. So instead of you having joy about your walk with God, joy about where God has brought you from, joy about remembering, man, I, I, I used to be out there. And now I'm maintaining, I'm keeping my flesh under subjection. Instead of having joy about it, he'll make you like, oh, you the only one? Everybody else? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. 
Don't let him get to you. Don't let him do it to you. Amen? Amen. That's all I got time for tonight. Y'all receive that tonight? Yes, sir. Look at your neighbor and say, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter how you feel, no matter what the devil says, you're not the only one. Amen? Put those hands together tonight and give God a grand of praise. Come on, you can do better than that. Give Father God a great hand of praise tonight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Father, thank you tonight for the word. Thank you for giving us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive. I thank you, Father, that, Lord, we can all attest to something that was said tonight. We, we can all attest that there's something that... Uh, that we knew was right down our alley. One of these three areas, if not all three, we've dealt with or are dealing with right now. But Lord, thank you that you know how to send the right word in due season to help our hearts be glad and not be stooped in depression. Thank you, Father, that the word is able to lift us up and build us up and give us an inheritance among the saints. Father, I pray that each person tonight as we, as we receive this word would uh, just, just keep ourselves uh, girt about with truth. Yes. Yes. Have that shield of faith up to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Those darts of condemnation, those darts of loneliness, those darts of rejection, those darts that he sends to try to get us to feel like we're the only ones dealing with whatever we're dealing with. But no, Lord, thank you that we understand that we can resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by all of our brethren in the world. So, God, we're going to continue to walk with you and trust you and serve you with all of our might. In fact, we're going to serve you with joy and gladness. With joy and gladness. It's a privilege to serve you. It's a privilege to serve you. It's an honor to serve you. It's a blessing to serve you. So we're going to do it with joy and gladness all the days of our lives. And we will not turn back to our wicked ways and not turn back to the flesh. We'll continue to walk with you and trust you all of our days. So we give you praise. We give you glory. We give you all the honor. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord tonight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I hope you were blessed tonight by the word of God and, and built up uh, in your faith. And uh, you go, just again, be aware of Satan. You'll, you'll be aware. There may be things that I didn't talk about tonight. You'll see, you know, I see him working.